Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Welcome back, James. Hey, thank you. Welcome back to you too, Scott. Thanks. Here we are. (laughs) I don't know what to say back to that. Yeah, here we are. Another day. (laughs) Another question. It's getting late today. Yeah. We're going to answer another question. This is a good question. I like this one. It is. It's very simple. But when I started thinking about it, I was like, I, that's actually a very good question. It's simple, but it's complex all at the same time. Yeah. So, um, Kenton, thank you for your question. Kenton writes in and says, what percentage should you try to increase your net worth by each year? Yeah. Very simple. And I started thinking about this. And it's not a simple answer. Try to create a formula. No. And I realized you really can't. No, it's tough. Yes, and, and and we'll tell you why not. But we'll tell you. It, it, I think there is a lot of truth, not truth, but there's there's a very good underlying theme in this question that we'll we'll circle back to. Yeah, but we'll, let's just use a couple of examples. Let's assume that I I'm starting my investment journey and I have a thousand bucks in the bank or my investment account. Yeah, that's all I have. That's that's my net worth is a thousand dollars. And let's say I add ten thousand dollars to my investment account, and the market doesn't grow at all this year, but I add ten thousand to it. Well. I increase my net worth by a thousand percent by doing that. Yeah. Most people would say increase your net worth a thousand percent is pretty good. And I would agree. So that, that was a pretty significant change. Now let's assume fast forward a few years. I now have a hundred thousand dollars in my investment account. And that's the only piece of my net worth. Mm-hmm. And I'm still diligently saving. I save another $10,000. And once again, the market doesn't grow. Yeah. Well, I've still saved that $10,000 but it only increased my net worth by 10% mm-hmm. as opposed to a thousand percent. Yeah. So both I was doing good things, but the percentage changed my net worth was substantially different each year. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it um, yeah, that it's not a complete picture to answer your question is really what we're getting at. Net worth alone won't, won't tell us the answer. It won't. And you even use the example. If, you yeah. showed up in my office. Yeah. So we were just kind of chatting about it. And it's like, you know, one of the things that we'll see people, sometimes people ask, well, how much money do I need to have to be wealthy? Or how much money do I need to know that I'm okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll have people show up and people, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you're like, hey, uh, James, if, if if I give you 2 million bucks, would you be wealthy? Yeah, of course. Right? Or not, right? Yeah. Like, oh, 2 million, I'm wealthy now, right? But the the answer is like, it's always, it depends and it depends on um, what does that person spend? Yeah. Yeah. If I'm burning through $500,000 a year. Yeah. You're not even close to wealthy yet. I got four or five years in me before I'm out. Right. Now, on uh, like to the outside world, you look wealthy because you're driving like a G-Wagon. <laughs> like you have a really expensive mortgage payment mm-hmm. and you're going on amazing trips. You're spending half a million dollars a year. Um, but two million bucks isn't going to cut it for you. Yep. However, if I live on 80 grand a year, I'm probably like good. Yeah. With 2 million bucks. Yeah. Yeah. 
Which is, it, wealth is not just a number. It, it, we say it all the time, it depends. But really, it depends upon you and what you need to be able to create. Your wealth, my wealth, everyone else's wealth is very different and very subjective relative to their situation or situations. So right. knowing that. That's exactly right. So here's the key for you guys at home. Take Kenton's idea. Take your net worth. Divide it by what you need to live a year of life. Uh a friend of mine, Reese Harper, has a company called Elements that he's starting to help financial planners and uh, clients start to understand their net, their their kind of like financial life better. That is exactly the concept here. Take your net, whatever those components of your net worth are, divide it by your, your annual income, and you'll come up with a score, a number of years you can live off of your investments. Mm-hmm. If you can live off of your investments at like 25 times that annual salary, like if you need 100 grand, a year and you have a two and a half million dollar portfolio, you're probably okay. Yep. If you have a four, you have a lot of work to do. <laughs> or you're at the beginning stage of your investment yeah. career. You know, that that's that's kind of that good end goal of when can you kind of get a general ratio of have you arrived yet? Yes. Kind of with quote air quotes around that. But but the reason I'm giving that back this to this listener question is once you understand that, you understand that there's two drivers to reche- achieving financial independence, which I think is what this is kind of trying to get to, right? What percentage of my net worth should I grow by each year? There's an, there's an end to that, I think, so that I can, so that I'm financially free, so that work is optional. Like there's some driver for Kenton to want to grow his net worth. It's not yeah. just to grow net worth. Money is just a tool, right? Mm-hmm. It's not It's not here just to be a thing. But once you know, once you can break that down and go, oh, I'm, I have four years of my of living expenses now. Well, now you can start to benchmark year over year. How many extra years have you added on? Yeah. And now we can talk about the things that you can control to help build that. Yep. Yeah. And and let's start. Let's start by what's outside of our control. Sure. And what we shouldn't use as a barometer for our success each year in terms of increasing our net worth, and then what we can control. And the first thing is is just the stock market. Mm-hmm. We talk all the time about the stock market. You can grow tremendous wealth over time using the stock market. It's been proven over time that this works. But year by year, there's absolutely zero certainty that it will cooperate or that it will go up in value or elevate your net worth above where it is today. Yeah, we've talked about that so many times before, right? Uh, was it seven out of 10 years it goes up, something like that on average? Mm-hmm. Well, it still means that 30% of the time, it's not going to work for us. Yeah. 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 And now, if you're looking at that year by year, saying, did my net worth increase or decrease, you're going to be pretty dis- discouraged when the stock market's down because you're saying, shoot, I just lost net worth. But when you can reframe it, which we're going to talk about in a second, of if you focus more on your savings rate or investment rate, well, those are the best years to actually increase your net worth over time. Yeah. Because you get to buy things at a great discount. But in that year, it actually looks like you're losing. It looks like a, a if you're if you're keeping score year by year, it doesn't seem like a win, even though long term it certainly is. Yep, I see what you're saying. Um, emergencies, mm-hmm. job loss, mm-hmm. these are just things that happen. Yeah. And if we're so focused on increasing our net worth every single year, which obviously is a good thing to increase your net worth, but there's going to be an emergency. There is going to be job loss. We talk about, you'll say resiliency needs to be a big part of the financial plan. We'll talk about building margin or flexibility into your financial plan. Having the ability to absorb those emergencies or the job loss or those transition periods, 
that's not going to increase your net worth year by year, Mm -mm. but it's going to, the way that you win over time is by not having anything totally blow you up, by not having major setbacks and losses in any given year. Right. If I was learning how to walk a tightrope, I'd want to have a net. Yeah, Yeah. probably. I don't think I'd want to If you want to have more than one attempt at that tightrope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that resiliency has a cost. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We saw a big one last year with COVID. Oh, did something happen last year? Something happened last year. Uh, Global pandemic? Global pandemic happened, and we saw job loss. We saw health stuff. We saw economic stuff. We saw political stuff. There's all kinds of things. Yeah. That could set you back. Yeah. Um, sometimes for some, in some cases that increased people's net worth and many other people's, it decreased their net worth. Right. And so, you know, you know taxes, we're in a period right now where there's new tax legislation that's going to be coming out soon. Potentially, yeah. That could be changing things for people. Mm-hmm. So I think the first step in addressing really the question behind this question is understanding what are the right metrics to focus on. But some of these initial ones aren't metrics that we should focus on because they're metrics that we have absolutely no control over, at least on a year-by-year basis. Yeah. So what do we have control over? Our savings rate. I say is a big one. Mm-hmm. We talk about that quite a bit. Yep. You, of course, can't control what the stock market's doing, but you can control how much you invest in the stock market each year. Yes. Or your 401k or Roth IRA or wherever it is. Mm-hmm. And we talk about, you know, can you save 10 to 15%? That's a good starting point. Obviously, there's no universal answer for every single person. Depends upon where you are in your best in, uh, time horizon, where you are kind of in terms of retirement horizon, all these different things. But mm-hmm. but savings rate is always something you can focus on. Yeah. What else can you focus on? Yeah. So, you know, you're kind of touching on one of them for um, income. And if we're going to look at income overall, there's really four components there's your savings rate. There's what you spend to live life. There's what you spend on all of your debt payments. And then there's your taxes. Yep. Right. And all of those things should roughly add up to 100%. Um, I say roughly because some of them are lagging and some of them are in the future. Um, but when you understand those things, you know, when, when uh, to Kenton's question of how quickly can we grow our net worth, the, the answer is it depends, right? You just said a good savings rate, which I would agree with the solid savings rate for most people. If you can start when you're younger is 10 to 15%, you're probably not gonna have to worry about retirement in your future. If you want to have some form of financial freedom or making work optional sooner than that, you need to increase your savings rate, which means you need to figure out how to decrease the other things, Mm -hmm. right? So it's it's all a trade-off. It's all a balance. Um, That's how I would think of it from the income standpoint. Was there anything you'd add to that? No, I agree. I think that makes sense. Sp- spending is, if you can control your spending, you, you, you can kind of control your financial future to an extent. Yeah. Like if you can get spending under control, um, more important than what's the return on your portfolio year by year, more important than uh, it just, can you live within your means is kind of point number one to yep. healthy financial situation. I think the other component there of income though, is that I can find reasons why it would make sense to decrease my net worth, um, Mm -hmm. to increase my potential future income. Yeah. I might choose to go back to school so I can better myself and earn more income in my future. Yep. Well, to do that, I'm not, I'm probably not going to save as much during that period, or I might even take out loans, student loans to go through that moment yep. to, to have that, to be able to sustain myself while I get that training that I need to bring about t- 
time, money, energy, talent, right? What are the four things we can invest in? How do you optimize those? There can be a reason to use money um, to increase your talent. Absolutely. You might take a hundred grand in savings and go start a company. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty significant knock to your net worth, right? When you do it, you might not even make much money for the first several years. Tell my wife about it. (laughs) But but over time, the potential (laughs) for increased net worth is substantial with that. So you not only do you have to focus on what you can control, but you also have to think through the fact that it doesn't happen in a linear fashion where it's not just like each year it grows by a certain amount, but there could be long lagging periods where nothing happens or even intentional setbacks so that you can accelerate that even more in the future. Yeah. What what are other things that we can control? Um, So you can't control what the stock market does year by year, but you can control your asset location. How much risk we're going to take or asset allocation, I should say. Yeah. Right. What, what, what are you going to invest in mm-hmm. and understanding the risks of that and the potential returns of that? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what else? Uh, so the other thing we control is we can, con- for resiliency, we can control, you know, have insurances and things like that to make sure that our kind of balance sheets protected. One of the things we talk about often is, um, kind of human capital and how much you're going to make in your lifetime and making sure that's protected. If you have family members, that's certainly something we can control. Same thing with disability, especially if you're highly trained, Um, you probably want to make sure that you have that training protected from an income standpoint. So if something happens um, and you're not able to function at your highest level, um, that training isn't uh, for nothing. Yeah, exactly. Um, Other things, you know, debt, leverage, that's something you can control, whether yep. used for good or for bad. That's that's absolutely something in your control, something that you can do. I yeah. think the the key to all of this, and you put this really nicely as we're talking ahead of time, is number one, know, know your inputs. Know the difference between input and output. So an input is, is something that you have control over. Output is simply something that happens, whether because you had something to do with it or whether because it was an external factor. Mm-hmm. like what the stock market did, like uh, a COVID type event. So know what your inputs are, know, know the range of potential outcomes of what could happen both in and out of your control. But I like the way that you put it. If you want to kind of summarize that, talking yeah, about the yeah, story sure. of what happened. Well, yeah, I, I personally, the way I've always thought about this with money m- and your balance sheet, money's just a tool, right? And it's here to help us build the life that we want. So once we know what is really important to you as a client. It's, it's, it's looking at, it's being able to tell the story between the, the, the balance sheet snapshots where like the Kenton was kind of asking, Hey, what percentage change should we see year over year? And it's a huge answer of it depends. Yeah. And, and what it depends on is like, let's tell the story. What was our savings rate? Was it a quality savings rate? Excellent. Did the markets work against us that year? Oh man, I'm so sorry that that happened. But knowing that that happened and then we have a strategy for rebalancing, just know that you now own more shares of everything than you did beforehand yeah. because you saved and we rebalanced, Yep. right? So know what, know what that means for you. Yeah. And, and it always comes back to understanding the story for what happens in your financial life, but it should directly translate back to what's really driving you or your family uh, to the goals that matter most to you in your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I like how you put that of telling the story. Um, I there there's been instances where I've talked to clients, and it was a cl- you know client stepped away from work. It was really a client that had inherited uh, some money. This was several years back, mm-hmm. and 
wasn't really working, wasn't really doing much, but the the stock, their account did really well. And so it's kind of like a year gone by and we we're checking in again. And I was like, wow, I've made all this money. I'm doing great. Like I could just kind of keep living this way. But when you tell the story of what happened in between it, you can't keep living that way. You know, that was something that had nothing to do with input in and nothing to do with savings rate or focus on career, focus on anything. It was something totally external. So things seemed good until you do what you talked about of telling the story of what happened in between. Well, the story had nothing to do with inputs or what they could control. Mm. And there's been other instances where people have been scrapping and then starting businesses and nothing seems to be going well and we're draining the emergency fund and oh my gosh, we're having to rack up the credit card bills to try to get this business off the ground. Mm -hmm. And they're making progress, but on paper, it looks like things have gone terribly because things are lower. The net worth is lower, Mm -hmm. but the story is one of getting that compounding to begin, which is a painful process at the beginning of just moving the needle little by little by little. Um, so yes, know where you're starting, know where you're ending. And obviously this is a continuous process. There's not an actual start and end date. It's just more, right. where am I now? Where was I when I started tracking this? Yeah. And then being able to piece together what happened to say, okay, was that something that I had control over? Or was that due to my inputs or was that due to external circumstances that are right outside of my control? Absolutely. And I mean, I, I give a hat tip to my, my business coach, Elizabeth Chichon, because like we talk about all the time when we, we meet with clients for, um, meetings I think of it as an annual renewal meeting It is a chance to come together and look at what has gone well, what has not gone well for the past. Where are you today? What matters most to you? Has anything changed? And then we look forward to what's coming up and we just look again at, is everything optimized to the best of our ability right now? Is there any change that we should make? And we just want to be able to tell the story of what happened to get us to where we are. And then we want a future cast where we want to go. And look at the choices that we have in front of us. Yeah. And if we do this continuously, we find that people usually step into their version of a great life much faster. Yep. Yep. Absolutely agree. Well, anything else to add to this? That's it. All right. Well, thank you, Kenton, for your question. It was a good one that actually caused us to think quite a bit before this episode. And thank you, Scott. Thank you. Always good chatting. We'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And there's a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question for us to answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.